0: My name is Kim Weeks, and this is The Weeks Well. I want to highlight two light-based images that I was left with that really stuck with me after talking to Tracy Stanley. She had her first mystical or transcendental experience when she watched the sunrise in South Africa 28 years ago. And then as she began unpacking how she practices, what her path of learning has been, and how she ultimately became the teacher that she is, she said that her North Star is self-knowledge. It's the self-knowledge of remembering And she connects that self-knowledge every time you experience remembering in meditation, in rest, in any wisdom practice, you are your true self. You are experiencing, as Tracy described it, embodied wisdom. Tracy is an author. She's a tantrika and she's a yoga teacher, primarily in the Himalayan tradition. You can see the show notes for more links to the Himalayan Institute, for example. But she talked a ton about her experience as a post lineage teacher and how she dips in and out of teachings from elders and wisdom practices that continue again to connect her to this experience of remembering. And you know, the reason I wanted to talk to Tracy is not just because Gail Parker mentioned her and suggested I really go down this rabbit hole of the yoga nidra practices that have become so front and center since COVID, but also to talk to Tracy about this path of the industrial overculture, as she described, that doesn't want you to find your true self or rest for that matter. And so her books, her online community, we've got links to all that stuff, offer some just fascinating teacher trainings and perspectives and learnings, not least of which are downloadable practices from her upcoming book. But there's just a ton of things she's doing, not just in her writing, not just in her podcasting and talking with me and her teaching, but just everywhere. You know, she didn't talk about it as creating. I mentioned this quite a few times in the podcast. She talked about how she goes into, for example, her yoga nidra nest, and she listens And when she listens and effectively, as she described it, downloads the information, she then remembers what it is that will connect her teachings and what she's offering to the universal right to rest and to be in and accessing your true self. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here's Tracy Stanley. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me on The Weeks Well.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm really glad to make your acquaintance. As I just said before, we clicked record because, you know, I'm in my third year now of exploring conversations around what yoga lineage is and why or whether it matters But then to just on the very top quote, Barrel Bender, who was on the podcast some months ago, maybe the lineage is just practice. You know, maybe that's what it is. And so I'd love to dive just immediately deep into first your journey to here. You know, many people on this podcast are coming through you know, a Krishnamacharya or Krishnamacharya adjacent lineage. And your path is a little different um, in terms of getting to this place where you arrived, you know, at the practice of tantric meditation and yoga nidra, other stuff, I'm sure, but that's what really popped out to me as we did our research on you. So could you share a little bit about how you got from where you started to these two wonderful books, the one that we've read, the one that's coming and And everything else you're doing out there in the mindful, wellness, rest world.
1: Yeah. So that's a journey that goes back about 28 years. Um, I started with a experience that I didn't know um, was, and I would call it now, kind of a spontaneous moment of meditation. Um, that happened when I was sitting on a balcony watching the sun rise and fell into this moment of just deep peace that felt like it was so expansive and something that was being revealed. And I have words for this now. I didn't have words for, th- for this then. Um, And I went around and asked people and told them, this is what happened to me. This is what I experienced. Do you know what happened? And nobody, most of my friends at that time were kind of looking at me like I had 12 heads. And I was lucky enough to find one person who said to me, oh, I know exactly what happened to you. Um, I'm going to take you somewhere. And he took me to a spiritual bookstore. I was at the time living in South Africa and we were in Johannesburg and he took me to this bookstore and he started to pile up these different books in my hands. um, Khalil Gibran, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, Celestine Prophecies, um, Illusions. And so I just took these books and I had lots of time to read at that time. And I was an avid reader and still am, but much more avid at that time because I had a lot more free time. And I read through all of these books. And one of the books that he gave me was a book on tantric meditation um, and chakras from Harish Johari. And I was reading that book and kind of self-guiding myself through the practices and having these really mystical experiences. Um, And shortly after that happened, um, all of my things were stolen. Uh, I was traveling, and I don't want to make a long story longer, but basically all of my things were stolen. And because I had just read Way of the Peaceful Warrior, I related that to this moment of just letting go uh, when the gas station is on fire, right? And it's kind of like this moment of life needs to shift and life needs to change. So I took that as, oh, what I'm doing right now in South Africa, that's complete. I'm now going to move my life in a different direction. And when I got back... Uh, to Los Angeles, I was seeking out a yoga class or a meditation class. And it was really first meditation. And for whatever reason, when I landed in the Zen Meditation Center, it didn't quite resonate. Um, and then I had a, my first massage ever. And the masseuse said, oh, I think you need to do yoga because it feels like something's happening in your body that yoga would be really helpful for. And so I found myself in a kundalini yoga class and felt had a really interesting experience the very first time that I was in class. And that experience reminded me of the moment of watching the sunrise. And so I started practicing five days a week. So that was the beginning. And then I found hatha yoga and really was practicing both kundalini and hatha and it was more, I would say, power yoga at the time. And I became really interested in to learn more about yoga. And I was going on my first yoga retreat and I went to the Bodhi tree, which was a spiritual bookstore in LA that's now closed. Um, and I just picked up a book that was the translation of the Yoga Sutras. And I brought that book with me on retreat. And of course, that. It was the Mukunda Styles translation, I believe. And so as I was reading through the book, what I started to notice was what I would call now, I did not have words for it then, is this experience of transmission. I felt a vibration that was just running through my body every time I would pick up the book. And it wasn't like I understand what I'm reading because I had been doing power yoga. All of these concepts and philosophies were totally new to me. But then I landed on Yoga Sutra 136, Vishokavajo Tishmati. And that sutra somehow penetrated right into the depths of my soul and into the depths of my knowing. And the the part of it that did was that there was this, idea that there's a place inside of us that is beyond all sorrow. That's beyond all yeah. conditioning.
0: Do, do you mind just saying it in English or the way you say it in English, that sutra?
1: Um, I mean, there's so many different translations of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what I would say yeah. is um, there's a place inside of the heart that is beyond all sorrow. There's a place that is effulgent, that is radiant, that is eternal. And that place is who we really are that is connected to everything and all sources of light, whether it be the sun, the moon, the stars. And so what I would recommend for people if they're unfamiliar, or even if they are familiar with that Sutra 136, is to go through all of the their various translations of Yoga Sutras. And, totally. And just read each and every one of them because that everyone has this, like you know, it has a sweetness from the understanding of the person Mm -hmm. who translated it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that just stuck with me and it was like, okay, I feel like after reading this book and understanding probably not a 10th of a percent of what I'm reading, that I'm actually not practicing yoga. I feel like I'm doing the physical yoga, but nobody that I was studying with at that time was talking about these concepts or talking about the promise of yoga and the eight limbs of yoga. And so I sought out and I started to ask some of the elders in my community, um, this is where I'm at. And I really want to study with someone that um, can move me towards this understanding of of what yoga really is. And I started to get the same names coming back and from people that I respected. And that's what led me to the Himalayan tradition. And I studied in that tradition for a very long time and still continue to dip in and out of certain teachings that I find are really supportive and foundational for me because that is the foundation of my learning.
0: Right. The Himalayan Institute, do you mean, or the process of resourcing yourself um, in a way that, goes straight through to borrow something from what I, you know, found out about you when I researched you, the kind of koshic layers, you know, that kind of touch your bliss body and your bliss body says, I want that, you know, give me more of that. So what do you mean when you say um, that?
1: Well, what I, say, what I mean by that is that all of the teachings that I share for the most part are foundational teachings that I learned in the study of the Himalayan masters.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. And, yeah.
1: Right. And so there's there's many different um, kind of branches of that that are in India. That is the Himalayan Institute in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, but most of those teachings are coming from either Swami Veda Bharati, Pandit Rajmani Tiganayat. Um, and one of my former teachers, uh, Rod Stryker.
0: Oh, cool! And so, do you? I know we. I want to get to the to your your creations and your um, community and your portal. But before we go there, can you talk a little bit about the parts of this tradition that are so? fundamental for you and foundational you know both rod and or the swami just sort of threads or tendrils you know that have touched you the most
1: yeah i mean i think the tendrils and i think we also have to name when harm has been done um so i want to be clear that there has been harm um in this lineage um people can google and find out for themselves but i want to name that Um, And what I would say is the teachings um, around just this idea, this tantric idea that is not unique to the Himalayan tradition, but this tantric idea that as above, so below, that we inside of us carry this microcosm, this universe that is inside of us. And that if we want to see shifts, we need to and can work with the inner universe so that it will affect the outer universe. And I think that that's really um, potent and important, especially now in a time where um, we're seeing so many kind of ecological crises in the world that I think are really, kind of an effect of the fact that we are so separated from our true nature. And when we're separated from our true nature, we're separated from the fact that we are nature and that we're all connected and that this is leading to so much suffering. And I think that Tantra offers us these tools that are portals to coming back to that remembering, to coming back to that wisdom. Um, And so that's why I think the practices um, of tantra are really important and really powerful for our transformation. Yeah.
0: Tracy, I have to say, I really appreciate your uh, the way you communicate your pacing and the clarity with which you are able to distinguish and discern the practices of tantric of tantrica um, as discreet and being a little redundant, I guess, from what, we, what so many um, have pulled, you know, from the sutras themselves. Um, I don't know if, how familiar, friendly you are with Doug Keller, but he's been on the podcast a couple times to talk at length about how the sutras and this Prakriti, Prosha, um, you know, outer and inner sort of nature, outer nature and inner nature um, paradigm is was really just a moment in time. You know, a human being or maybe a collection of human beings in Patanjali, you know, trying to kind of cohere and summarize a bunch of different competing thoughts at the time and how tantrica, you know, very soon after emerged that's my understanding from him, and what my understanding—just learning over the years—and it's just so interesting to me um, to have conversations like this one around the the emerging, the evolving of modern yoga. And you have this, you know, thing in your um, on your side about being a post-lineage teacher, and so as we kind of continue to take that path toward discussing, again, your creation and your work um, what made you write that? What, what help us understand your, whatever, let's talk a little bit about that phrase <laughs> post lineage. Cause I think it's really like, I, I think I told you not to be redundant, but I have as many kind of, yeah, lineage people on here as post lineage people as meta lineage people on the podcast. Cause I think it's just important in the same vein as naming harm done, also naming, you know, what this is. So what the practice is and what post lineage means.
1: Yeah. And so first I would, I would say that, um, we have to go back to, um, Theo Wildcroft, who, as far as I know, is the person who coined the term post-lineage. And so again, people can Google, they have a, um, a book actually that's called Post-Lineage Yoga. Uh, I believe it was their dissertation uh, that was published, and it's a dense book, but it has a lot of information about this idea of post-lineage. And for, for me, what I can say is, um, what I came to um, was that a lot of um, times there wasn't a holding or a container in some of the practices and teachings that were being offered. And so then what naturally happens is the Sangha comes together and they start to compare notes and they start to talk about their practice. And that also becomes a form of teaching, right? And so for me, it's about this idea of the foundation of the practices that I have received, which I will also say that I'm extremely grateful for having to having received these practices in the lineage and in the way that I did and continue to also, as I said, dip in and dip out of you know certain courses and things that help to support my evolution and expansion as a practitioner. At the same time, I also reach beyond the lineage into connecting with nature, into connecting with my ancestors, into connecting with Other members of my sangha or people who are not even associated with my lineage, but are practitioners to compare notes and to have um, different kinds of experiences. And so I think that when someone, uh, and I'm only speaking for myself, so when I talk about this idea of post-lineage, it's really about the fact that I don't consider myself to be in a lineage where that's the only thing that I'm studying, it's the only thing that I understand, right? That there are many different ways to look at these teachings and to receive these teachings and to also be open to new wisdom coming in in a new way that can be transmitted um, in a way that maybe wasn't the way that I was taught, right? And so this idea of, lineage, it's too, it's kind of twofold because I learned also from one of my teachers, Gary Krebsow, where he talks about this idea of, um, the Rishis, right. And the Rishikas in the forest kind of having these realizations of states of consciousness and how they would go to their then students and their give these teachings to their students and their students would practice and practice and practice and practice. And they would have this sort of embodied wisdom that would come forward. And then they would teach what they understood. Right. And maybe they never saw the teacher again. Maybe they did, but it wasn't like you were in this close contact all the time. It wasn't this kind of um, guru disciple relationship all the time. Um, There was this sense of being able to really understand at a cellular level, at an energetic level, a teaching, and from your own level of consciousness, be able to share that. And so I think for me, um, I learned a lot uh, from my teachers. And in some ways I also learned uh, things that I think were needed, but were not provided, right? And so, the two streams to go back to your question, because now I feel like I'm on a tangent. The two streams from uh, the Himalayan tradition that I really treasure are these practices of yoga nidra that have also evolved in my own being and my own understanding and the practices of tantric meditation that are purifying and take us back to our elemental nature through practices like elemental purification um, and other tantric meditations. Mm
0: -hmm. I see. That's great. I didn't... (laughs) I say this quite a bit on this podcast, but my husband <clears throat> named it a little while ago "Tangent Airlines," and I unfortunately am the pilot of that airplane. So I apologize if I took you on a tangent. No, no I took
1: myself there. Okay, good. <laughs> 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 I mean,
0: it's in some ways these studies are <laughs> to keep teasing that out a little tangential because they you know, like we said before, there's these tendrils all over the place, and you know, you follow those, you, you know, sort of swing along, you know, on. The those and and learn from them. And I want to sort of ask a question or sort of, um, I don't know, kind of highlight or amplify something, a thread that I feel is coming through as I'm Mm -hmm. listening to you. First, you know, your friend who took you to the bookstore as, Mm -hmm. you know, a way to learn more, find out more about this existential, transcendental experience you had watching the sun rise, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the set, the sun rise. And then, you know, you went to L.A. and connected the dots from what had begun to emerge inside of you to... I, I strongly hear you saying learn, not you know consume a yoga class or just check it off a box and say that you were doing it to yourself. I think there's this interesting disassociative way that we have to be in the modern world to cope with the stresses. And so I think a lot of times we, and I'm speaking for myself, of course, but also what I've learned along the way teaching for 20 years, that there's a way you're sort of... Uh, Aside yourself or beside yourself while yourself, like I say to my students a lot of times, you know, if in Shavasana, your mind is someplace else while your body is relaxing, there's two things going on, which is inherently more stressful for the body than to, you know, be in the practice of allowing the mind to be absorbed into the relaxation of the body, that's an altogether different practice than like, you know, writing out your grocery list when you're lying there in shavasana, which is itself this, again, disassociative, I think, coping strategy, a pattern that we learn over the years not to feel the pain and and the suffering of living. But to keep going, you know, I hear you then, the thing that really sort of, pricked my ears, I was like, whoa, so cool, because is that you ask these questions of your elders, that instead of just continuing on your path, I hear you have, having this pattern of kind of tethering yourself to people that you know can teach or guide you who have a wisdom you know, body, who have a lived experience of wisdom, and it really seems to me that that's the seat if I may, that you're take, either beginning to take or have always been or you know, with these books and with your empowered life circle are doing. Um, it's just, to me, it's like a wisdom lineage overarchingly that I hear you mm. unfolding within.
1: Thank you for that reflection. I really appreciate and receive that. So I just want to say thank you. Um, and I do think that it is true that I, w- I was looking for things maybe in a different way. And I, and I think that it's possible that because I wasn't coming to yoga as an exercise, right, or a workout, that I had already had this sort of mystical experience that I wanted to understand. So I was looking for the wisdom there. Um... And I think, again, part of that seed of the wisdom is the lineage. I think that when we talk about um, post-lineage, just to go back there for a second, is that it's not a rejection, at least for me, of the lineage. It is a respect and a love for the lineage, right? Like you still have the respect and love for the lineage and the teachers, but then you can also kind of expand Beyond that, and I think what I'm hearing you say, or at least what I'm receiving from from what you just said, is that there's wisdom in so many different places, right? And that I have kind of allowed myself to explore those other avenues of wisdom. And because one of the things that I think I am skillful at is kind of pattern recognition, is to be able to see, oh, these things that I'm learning in, let's say, other wisdom traditions, or by being with nature, I'm seeing the same teaching that I received from the lineages that I've studied. And all that's happening is a support and perhaps another way of speaking about it that eventually brings us back into some of the teachings and ways in which to explore these in our inner landscape. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's just beautifully put. And, you know, it's interesting also to think, tease that out even just one step further. The idea that, I mean, as we all know from teaching decades at this point, you have no idea how what you're offering is going to land in your students. I mean, you just can't know. And that's one of the things that I find so when I do teach, um, in person, which is so much less than, you know, before COVID. I mean, I was a full-time yoga teacher for, I don't know, 18 years, you know, before COVID came. And one of the things that I find so disorienting and <laughs> really stressful in the very beginning teaching was like, oh my God, I have no idea how whether what I'm saying is relevant, whether what I'm saying is impactful and powerful, is it appropriate, is it... Um, is it wise, you know? And so it's the idea behind wisdom. And I, I once looked up the etymology of it. I don't remember what where, where it comes from. You know, it's akin to knowledge, of course. But the idea that when you are imparting wisdom or sharing this sort of pattern recognition, I think that's a such a great way of describing, you know, inter, like interstitial lineage. Basically, I, I, I relate to that. I have a similar kind of path that the, I I wonder if what you arrived at with yoga nidra is the effect that you talk about in the very, you know, beginning of your, especially with around the luminous self a guide to self-remembrance, that the impact or the message you're wanting to give over and over again is just to peel back the layers of the wisdom that's inside. I mean, do you? its I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so many different ways to peel back that layer of the onion and so different, many different ways in. And so maybe talk a little bit about how the luminous self and, and or yoga nidra and these other practices that you're offering do offer that guide to self-remembering.
1: Mm -hmm. So there's two things that stuck with me. One of them I already named as Sutra 136. And the other was this word smarana, um, which I believe that the root of that word is smirti, which means retention or memory. And I was stuck with this because the very first time uh, that I heard this word it was translated as self-remembrance, smarana. Now, that was how it was translated. I've learned that there are other translations for it since then. And what I, what I connected in that kind of pattern recognition was, oh, the self-remembrance that we're looking for or that I'm looking for is this remembrance of this place inside of me that is beyond all sorrow. Because that place is not outside of me. It's not external. It's not something that I'm looking for. When I then reflected back on that very first time that I had kind of a mystical experience and then also connected that to the very first time that I practiced Yoga Nidra, what I experienced in both of those instances was a revealing. It was a very clear thing that this is not something that is happening to me this is not something that the teacher is doing to me this is not something that the sunrise is doing to me this is something that is being revealed because I am somehow present I am somehow still I am somehow bringing my awareness inside and I am certain and just going back to the etymology of wisdom that etymology is from that uh word w-i-s i I believe and i believe that that means to be certain of something and so there was this kind of knowledge this self-knowledge that was emerging in those experiences and for me that's always been the north star of my teaching so even as a very new teacher who really didn't have any plans on teaching in the beginning. So going back all the way to 2001, I had no intention of teaching. I opened a yoga studio that was a donation only studio. And I wanted to have a place where people could practice and where there would be a, a variety of diverse teachers offering the practice of yoga. And I had a completely different career, so I wasn't interested in teaching. Uh, and teaching, I was interested in practicing and sharing. But when I began teaching, my North Star was always around. How can I guide people to remembering who they are and what they are? Because once you touch that place of something being revealed within you, even for a microsecond, for me, that was the thing that kept me interested and curious and excited about continuing to study and practice yoga. Right.
0: It's interesting listening to people talk about the, their approach and the hewing that they do to have or to their particular lineage. And I wonder a lot about how in this age, at this time, in this century, we are horizontalizing um, knowledge, it's it, its just, we're making it, it, it is becoming by definition so much more accessible and so these, I mean, I initially called them a couple of years ago, you know, silos, like corn silos in a field that held all this knowledge, but there's just holes in all the silos now. They're, they're all sort of, it's all flowing out and, and more kind of, it seems to me, gravitationally Oriented, it's being pulled more down to earth. And so, this is just my theory, of course. And so, if what you're doing in these classes and in your community and your portal and in your books is to, it seems, maybe just help me know if this is what you're doing. It sounds like it. In all of this work, um, bringing people back to this knowledge of themselves, this remembering of who they are then it's pretty simple and maybe so tell me yes or no. If, that's, if I'm saying <laughs> that the right way yes. and and I can totally see how rest would be the main channel <laughs> or a main channel. So let's just maybe talk about all of that. my, the, there was a tangential question. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I love it. It's very rich. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that there's a couple of things is one that we need these teachings more than ever. I mean, I think we saw that during the pandemic. Um, At least what I noticed in my communities and with friends is that people started to realize that the yoga asana only approach was not helping them. It was not a support. And people started to reach out for more tools that they had not cultivated over many many years of a quote-unquote yoga practice and so that's when um, from what I was seeing is that meditation became a buoy that deep rest and yoga nidra became absolutely essential that going back to understanding these philosophies of yoga became really paramount And I feel like uh, as long as we acknowledge where these teachings come from, they're still connected to the lineage. And I think that connecting them to the lineage and to the source where you received them is really important because it connects to transmission as well. So even though, as you were saying, that this is becoming horizontalized, I think that it's really important for us to always acknowledge where the teachings came from um, to a certain degree, like in all of my books, I basically say most of the teachings that are in these pages come from the Himalayan tradition or the traditions, um, uh, and I will name certain traditions. And if I remember the teacher that I learned it from, I'll try to call back to the actual teacher. Um, unless they caused harm, because I don't want to create another harmful situation. Um, So I think that to to talk about this idea of lineage, again, it's needed more than ever. The hierarchy of lineage, I think, is also shifting and um, that's also important. But yes, to me, it is very simple. If we could just say that, hey, there's a few practices that are very simple that we can do, that we have access to, that there's not a barrier to entry to receive the initiation or the special mantra or the 125,000 repetitions that you need right. to do for this, that, and the other. Right, right. That th- these are practices that really, and rest is one of them, that is our birthright to receive. And deep rest and the practices of yoga nidra are portals to remembering who we are. It's that simple.
0: Yeah, exactly. I really appreciate your um, summarizing, I guess, in a moment of this horizontalizing while simultaneously... Pinning or leveling up, if that's the word or phrase, to the source, the place where the knowledge has been received, you know, whether from a teacher or from an overarching lineage. Because I do wonder a lot, I think a lot about people um, just beginning a wisdom practice today um, or a yoga practice. Let's just keep it to yoga. Because, you know, the the stuff can come through an app for, let's Mm -hmm. say, it can come Mm -hmm. through flashcards, it can come through a variety of other media. And I haven't really been able to form the question this way till just now, but I wonder how or whether like app-based yoga practice could... Be a transmission. That was the question I was wanting. I really want to get into this transmission, this transmission piece. In fact, so let's just maybe tease that out for a moment, and then I'll ask my question about you specifically in the transmission piece. I'm thinking back to the Makunda Styles um, sutra book you were reading, but let's first talk about that. Can you can you experience transmission when you're apping uh, yoga? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Uh-huh. I, I it's it's no different than asking the question in my mind, mm-hmm. can we experience transmission over Zoom? Yeah, right. Right. I think that's something that we all experienced over the lockdowns and still experience now because a lot of us are still teaching on, on, uh, online. But I think it has to do with um, the level of embodied wisdom that is carried by the teacher by the person. So you could have a person who learned, I think this is my, my own opinion now that you could have a person who learned a meditation on an app, but did that meditation every day for the last year and had an embodied wisdom of that meditation in their own way. And if they went out and taught that meditation to someone else, I do believe that there is a transmission available from their deep experience of that meditation. I also think that when teachers are connected to source, whatever we want to call that, um, that that is also a transmission And, you know, I've heard it said, and I'm going to, I'm forgetting now who the person was that said this. Um, But the saying was that there are Rishis being born in every moment, that the Rishis and Rishikas that had these original states of consciousness, that we have these beautiful texts and beautiful practices from, that that stream of knowledge has not stopped. That there are still practitioners and people in the forests and in the jungles having these states of consciousness and codifying practices and sharing them. And that this is happening all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I ask and a question so, about... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, please. no, go
1: ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's sort of... It might be an out-of-left-field question, but maybe not. I mean, it strikes me you probably think about these things all the time. <laughs> but my question is, I have I have long... It, you know, I started this um, path of mine prior to 9 Um, I was also in a totally different career before I opened my yoga studio as a multidisciplinary place for... Different disciplines, different lineages, different styles, you know, to be conveyed. I've said this before on the podcast, but when I started my teacher training program and I, I, I necessarily asked people who who we had a very lively debate on a, the how of getting to this self remembrance. Um, I brought them to teach with me because I wanted the teacher trainees, the graduates, to have a multiple multitude of ways, not to be overwhelming. But because we had very clear kind of lines, um, but but I just didn't want it to be one way. And so anyway. Um, And so basically my question is that once I really got into this practice post 9-11, left my career entirely and decided that, you know, mission-based work was where I wanted to go and be, I started looking around. I think I knew this anyway before, but it just became so clear then that our our society writ large and modernity maybe um, doesn't give space. To people who do have these insights, who may be walking around raising their kids or like in an accounting firm or, you know, on the street living unhoused, you know, with these um, these visions, these, these transcendental experiences of... There's a word you use, Tracy. I can't remember. You, I think should we probably say it all the time, but mystical, sorry, mystical, who are having these mystical moments of awareness. Like, where, how do we provide resources for people like them, like the person who does meditate like that on an app for a year and then knows that they need to go out and share that information to others to try to touch? that place in other people's souls or awaken those places so that those people can suffer less. So I just wonder how do we help there? What do you think about that? I just, is there a place are we doing better with that? Do you think in the time that you've been teaching and what you've been seeing?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think that when somebody has an experience based on, a practice, let's say, from an app. I think that what happens, and this is what I see anyway in my um, teacher training programs, is that when people apply for the training, I read over and over again, I did this practice or I had an experience and it changed my life. And I know that I'm supposed to share this. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to quit my job and become a yoga teacher or a meditation teacher. But in my own way, whether it's in my family, in my church, in my synagogue, in the park on the weekends, I know that I'm supposed to share this because I know the power of the practice. And I think that, you know, certainly I can say that from the time that I started practicing yoga, I mean, I remember when I was first looking, when I first came back to L.A., I was looking in the phone book. I know me too.
0: <laughs> right, I, I found looking. my yeah, the yellow pages. <laughs> yeah, I was looking <laughs> in the yellow
1: pages for, for meditation. And that's how I found the Zen Meditation. Center. Yeah. And yeah,
0: yeah.
1: From there, then I met people and people suggested things. And then, of course, I was asking elders, and they were telling me what to do. But we have, you know, this is where technology can be super helpful, right? This is where. The, this kind of industrial overculture that doesn't really want you to yeah. find your true self or rest is that over? Ever. It, yeah. Yeah. actually helpful for us because we have the internet. We, we ha- we're doing classes online where, you know, we can sit with people in Australia and Africa and all these different countries that would never have access to the kind of teachings that we're able to give because I've been privileged enough to be able to be in deep study continuously for 28 years, right? You've been able to be in deep study and teaching for decades. So now because of the internet, we're actually able to reach these people. So I do think that the resource is there. It's really the spark of desire that can be sparked by continuous devoted practice because when you are devoted to a practice over time and that awareness and that awakening and that revealing starts to show itself to you there may be something that's sparked and it's not to say you have to go and do a meditation teacher training but it may be something else that comes alive in you and then you have the desire to pursue whatever it is that's alive in you that gets sparked from these teachings and practices.
0: Totally that's exactly right and it makes me then think but to back to the technology of your books I think it is brilliant that you've got the six downloaded practices six downloadable practices in the luminous self coming up I just I, I just, I've been thinking a lot about how the evolution of the written word and how in in, in kind of back to that silo analogy that we're no longer in a linear age, you know, we're in a modular age. We're in this sort of like move the stuff around the screen, you know, swipe Mm -hmm. left age. And, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, exactly as you say, there are these tools of media at our disposal that can empower your audience and your readers um, because it's both, right? It's people who may be able to flip the page, you know, at night or whenever they read. And that's really the way that they take the information in. It's a complete, obviously we know now from neuroscience, it's a very different deep workplace that the brain goes when you're able to give yourself that amount of time with something um, that in which there are no distractions. You know, you're not fortunately mm-hmm. scrolling, you know, mm-hmm. through your Insta feed when you're flipping the pages. If you allow the phone to be elsewhere, you know, you know what I mean. And so, I just think what you've done um, with your own media is just wonderful. So, do we do? Would you would you please, in the last sort of few minutes of our talk, um, talk a little bit about these books and what mm-hmm. and your trainings? I, I just think that there are many in this audience who. Um, exactly as you said, during COVID. I mean, I think they're in a slightly different place, if I may. People in this audience have been sort of, you know, following my work for many years now, starting with the scientific research on yoga that I did with Sapir Singh Khalsa, kundalini teacher, but also really at the center of the burgeoning scientific research on yoga movement, um, where we can use... These research practices to sort of highlight specific outcomes that specific practices have. And then went on with this lineage work and and then more broadly to this podcast. So everybody listening just about on this podcast totally understands that asana only is... um, is just a limited way of looking at yoga practice. But I do think a lot of people on this podcast are looking for other trainings and looking for, you know, learnings outside of lineage-based practice that they've previously done. And you're the first tantrika teacher that I've had on to talk at this level of work. So long way of saying. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about like what, what you got going on? And which we'll have links, of course, and all that stuff in the show notes.
1: Yeah, so um, my book, Radiant Rest: um, Yoga Nidra for Deep Relaxation and Awakened Clarity, um, is available. Has been for a couple of years, and it comes with six downloadable practices. So you can be, you know, in the space of yoga nidra. Hopefully, uh, as soon as you get the book, um, you know that book. I would say uh, was really a download. I received that book from the state of rest. And then I just translated what I needed to translate. Um, and it's also, you know, foundational to the practices of the Himalayan tradition as well. Are um, you saying
0: download like it like downloaded from the universe into your brain, body, and fingers?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. I, I set it. myself up in, in a space of what I call my creative cave, which includes my Yoga Nidra nest. And most of the time I was in my nest and then I would go and write or I would chant and then I would go back and I was really tuning in in a different space when I was um, writing that book. So I don't feel like it's my creation. I don't actually feel like I create anything. I just listen and then remember what I've learned and what I've experienced and then I share that. Uh, And then um, I have a new book coming out October 10th which is called the luminous self sacred yoga practices and rituals to remember who you are. Um, And these practices are practices that I have um, practiced over years. I have taught over years, different philosophies that are kind of supported by some short personal stories around uh, suffering and around remembering. Um, And then I just share the practices that have been most helpful for me in my life and in my expansion. Um, And, you know, I feel like if there was a time capsule and I've said this on a number of different podcasts, but if I had a time capsule of practices to put in for people to retrieve later, this would be um, the the practices that I would offer uh, for people because I know that they work. I've used them myself. And I've lived with them and I've also taught them for decades. Um, so these are, that's the second book. And you can find me on my website, Tracy with two E's, stanley.com. Um, I have a tantric meditation teacher training um, that is coming up soon. And the yoga nidra training uh, is going to be online next year. And then I have a yoga nidra immersion Um, that I'm co-teaching with my dear friend Chanti Takarante Perez that we're going to be teaching at Menla um, in the spring. And Menla is in New York and it's a very such an incredible. Have you ever been there? I haven't, but I've heard of it like for years. It is magical. It has, it's just, it's literally one of the oldest, I think it is the oldest site of a meteor, um, crash. And so it's this valley and the valley is like a negative two gravity pull and there's mugwort growing everywhere. And it is one of the most profound places in North America that I have found to practice deep rest in yoga nidra. It is just, uh, like being held by the universe. So that's where we're going to do the nidra immersion or yoga nidra immersion. Um, and you know you can just find out the things on, on my website everything's there
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I think people will just be I'm, I, I'm of course I'm <laughs> um, projecting of course but I uh, That's. I guess that's a little bit what you're doing on a podcast <laughs> I mean I guess it's a little bit of projection um, I, I your book is just wonderful luminous self was just fantastic I was lucky enough to get from your publisher the pre the, the download and um, I hope that everybody on the podcast reads it and also just m- most important kind of pursues your training i'm so grateful for your time tracy and um for your again your pacing and sharing and your and your wisdom
1: thank you so much kim it's been an honor to be here
0: thank you for listening to this podcast it was produced by Alyssa Yaroshevsky and me and features original music from my former band governess We're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, on weekswell.com and have a newsletter. And we're also now most recently on Substack, exploring in as many media as we can, the conversation, practice, and community of being your best self. If you have any ideas on The Weeks Well, about guests, about feedback on the show, anything you'd like to know or talk about or dialogue about, hit us up at hello at weekswell.com. We love the feedback. We love the conversation. We hope to see you next time for the next episode of The Weeks Well next week.